Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. Welcome to The Movement with your host, Shannon D. Hughes. In your life, do you celebrate the downfalls along with the peaks? You should. These define you as the person you are and help you learn your way to personal success. Now, here is the host of The Movement, Shannon D. Hughes. I don't know if I will ever get used to having my name and my own intro theme music for this show, but I'm going to get used to it. Welcome, everybody. Uh, Shannon D. Hughes, and you have officially joined the movement for Wednesday, uh, May the 16th. And as you all know, this is theme month, and this is the Me Too month of May. We have had three tremendous women over the last two weeks, and now right, right here in the heart of my batting order is my cleanup hitter. Uh, she is, she is a, some of everything. She is a certified personal trainer. She does financial services. She's a speaker. She is an author. She's just, uh, an all around wonder woman is what I tell her the real wonder woman. So with that, um, we're going to talk about Aww. where she got started and when everything, and I want to introduce everybody today to miss Allie Ferguson. Hello, Allie. Hi, Shannon. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's it. You know, we had to do this, right? So, Allie, let let me let me talk to the listeners today. And before before I even get started, I actually should have done this. If there are any Mm -hmm. questions or comments for me or Allie, please call in at eight six six four seven two five seven nine five eight six six four seven two five seven nine five international we are reaching international Our audience is growing as i'm looking over the last few weeks uh you have a number as well zero zero one four eight oh three nine eight one four zero five and also email the show shannon at shannon d hughes dash the movement dot com all right Allie, let me give everybody the backstory on us so Allie's a is a friend okay. of mine um back in 2016 um, I flew out to California. I had some real estate things I was doing and Allie and I had been friends on Facebook. I want to say Allie, maybe about three years at this point, three or four years at that point. And we yeah, had probably. always, we, right. We had always chatted quite a bit and I had said, Hey, I'm going to be in California. You, you know, can we hook up? And you said, great. Picked me up from the hotel. We went over to this great Mexican restaurant. Oh God, it was so wonderful. And, uh, mm-hmm. we sat and we, we talked about two, three hours and I remember you just, mm-hmm. just, just your fierceness and just your determination about you, which I liked, obviously, via social media. But to see it in person is what inspired me more. Um, so let's talk about where all this comes from. Give me some background. Talk about your upbringing, your parents, and, and where you grew up and everything. Oh, wow. Okay, growing up in Southern California, uh, my parents got divorced when I was four, so I split, I was split between two homes. They each got remarried within a year of each other. So now I had, you know, step-parents to right. adjust to and all of that. And then my mom had my half-brother. And, okay. um, and that was a really cool experience. But the whole time I was adapting to living in a lot of different environments because they didn't parent the same way. They didn't approach life the same way. And so, because in a household, I think when you have two parents together, they um, negotiate between each other, right? Right. So you kind of get this middle ground when when your parents stay together and you grow up in a family like that. But when your parents are apart and you're in one environment and then the other, you get 100% 
of everything that that parent is about at that right. time. And, um, and so there is no mitigation of, right. of some of those more extreme values. So I got, I got a lot of extreme values growing up. And so I, li- I think a lot of where the determination comes from is my mom had a super strong work ethic. Okay. Her mom came from Kansas. Her mom, my, gr- my maternal grandmother, was the first million-dollar sales earner for Rose Hill. This woman wow. at 80 years old would dress up in a dress and heels. 80 years old, mind you. Wow. Makeup, all, everything done, and she would still door-to-door knock and sell cemetery plots for Rose Hill. Wow. So watching Mm. that, yeah, that's the work ethic that was instilled in my mom and Mm -hmm. watching that growing up. I mean, there were no excuses not to work. There was no excuses not to get everything done and do uh, and do everything. And so um, my dad didn't have that same um, type of message for me. His message was at a different level later on when I was a teenager and mm-hmm. headed to college and all of that. So his, okay. his influence really kicked into my work ethic at that point. But, um, but I think that's pretty impressive, right? You know, at 80 years old, I don't know a lot of people that are out there working, and she didn't have to. Right, she right. She was, you know, collecting Social Security and all of that stuff, but she did it because what else was she going to do, right? It's what right. she loved to do. She loved to help people. And so uh, it, to me, it's super influential to see that as a child and, and see the example that the adults in your life are setting for you. So my mom had a super strong work ethic about, um, about a lot of work, right? There wasn't a lot of play with my mom, though. My dad balanced it out with, you know, work hard, play hard. Let's have a good time. Let's, you know, let's go to the beach, right? He, so he had a little bit more of a of a relaxing pull on me. So I ended okay. up with this middle ground type of ability to have a, have a real strong work ethic and work hard, but then right. also play hard too. And, right. um, and so that's, I think where, where, what you saw when we were visiting last December and I, oh, not last December two almost two Decembers ago. And I'm glad you came over for Christmas dinner, by the way, that was, yeah, that was really neat to have you there. And we're going to talk about that in the last segment because that was that oh. that opened up a whole lot of stuff. So, all right. So let me uh, pick up off of something you said. You were, so you're talking about the work ethic and things of that nature. So now, let's talk about your education because you you have have you have a resume that like <laughs> could, that yeah. I, like it would take me like the next three weeks to read to the entire audience. But just talk about <laughs> some of the things that I guess played in from you know your upbringing to all of the things that you trained and went to school for, which ultimately was where you're at now. Talk about some of your schooling and the thought and went into what made you want to go into the areas that you're specializing in. Oh, that's interesting. So both of my, te- both of my parents were school teachers. Okay. And so education was extremely important. A's were extremely valued. And, um, you know, extracurricular was kind of, but it was really about the grades. And at right. the time that I was, you know, getting ready to go to college, it, it, was, it was incredibly important. We didn't have social media. There weren't, you know, there weren't opportunities the same way there are now for millennials to in, maybe not go to college and still right. be able to make it in the world right. of entrepreneurship. Back right. then, I mean, we, there were, we just had AOL when I was in high school, right? 
So um, did, did you did you just say A O? Oh gosh, you said A O L. Stop it. Oh, I said A O L. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> SBCglobal.net. Oh. So <laughs> oh. yeah, the, oh, those things were God. just beginning. The whole dot com boom and everything was while I was in college, and so. The, the work ethic that was instilled in me of you have to go to college and then just getting a bachelor's wasn't enough. You needed to get a master's. And both right. of my parents have master's degrees. In fact, my mom and I got into law school together. Okay. Um, that was one of the things I did after college was try to figure out what do I want to do. And we both decided to study for the LSAT at the same time. Both got into law school together. She had a different focus of study than, than I wanted to have. I wanted to be a children's rights attorney and help kids until okay. I found out that they don't make any money. And then I thought it was a bad business decision to go deeply into debt and not be able to ever pay it off. Right. So I went and got a master's in psychology instead because that just was my natural gift. I always yes. had this ability to really be able to read people and resonate with them and help them. So my whole way through college and my master's degree, I was working as a personal trainer. And one of the reasons why I was the top trainer in the club was not only my work ethic, but my ability to relate to my clients and my clients to feel that I was really in tune with them. So getting a master's in psychology was pretty easy for me. And then once I got done with that, I realized that I don't have the stomach to work with uh, domestic violence victims and their kids and to work right. with the people that I felt really, really needed the help. Right. So, and I, I was honest with myself. It just broke my heart too much to be, to work with them. So I, uh, I was at one of my personal training clients who was a really wealthy guy who used to flip apartment complexes. He pointed me in the direction of the financial industry, and I looked at him like he was out of his flipping mind. I was like, you've <laughs> got to be kidding me, right? The right. financial industry, all they do is screw people over, because mm-hmm. that's, that's all I perception. knew, because my parents right. didn't talk about money. They talked about hard work, right? Save money, but they didn't talk about investing. They didn't talk about how to do any of that stuff, uh, taxes, or anything. So my understanding of the financial industry, you could literally put on a pinhead in six-inch letters. It was nothing. And so, but this client was super wealthy, and I thought, well, if I want to have some money one day, I probably need to figure out what he did. So I listened, and I interviewed a bunch of different companies, got some financial licenses, like a life and health license, some securities licenses, but, um, but couldn't find the right fit for me for a couple of years. So I kept working as a personal trainer and kept trying to figure out if I wanted to go into that industry or not. And I finally okay. found a company that would let me start part-time to see if I even liked it. Because okay. I didn't want to give up my clientele at the club that I'd worked so hard for, that okay. loved me like they were family. Right. If I, to leave for a career that I didn't know if I was going to enjoy or be any good at. And once I got started, I realized that my financial planning approach was just like my approach with personal training. Let me solve your problem systemically. Let's, let's not deal with the symptom. Let's deal with the cause. And right. so I, um, I approached financial planning in, in, a, in a different way than I had seen other people do it. But I found that I was actually really pretty good at it. 
So okay. the same you analytical mind that I took to law school was the one that I took to approach that. And it just turned yeah. out to be a good fit. All right. You know what? I want to pause right there. We're going to go into a break. But when we come back from the break on the movement, I want to talk about a little bit more about the financials and maybe the psychology of dealing with certain people. Some people don't like to talk about their finances, and I'm sure that had to be a challenge. And then I want to talk a little bit more about the the fitness and everything and then how you started to Mm -hmm. kind of branch out on your own as an entrepreneur. So when we come Mm -hmm. back on the movement, we will continue this wonderful interview with my friend, Allie Ferguson. We'll be right back after this. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at Enterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com slash IL. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795 or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to shannon at shannondhughes-themovement.com. That's shannon at shannondhughes-themovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. Would you possibly like to be a guest on The Movement? And are you willing to share your personal stories to help influence and empower others? Please contact the show via email, Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes-TheMovement.com. That is Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes-TheMovement.com. And for those who keep texting me during the show, again, here's the number. Instead of texting, you can call in 866-472-5795, 866-472-5795. International, once again, is 001-480-398-1405. And we are back on the movement. The Me Too month of May continues with my cleanup hitter, Allie Ferguson. And we were talking just before the break, Allie, about you know getting into the financial service industry. So my question right out of the break Again, a lot of people don't like to talk about their finances. Uh, some people just kind of just go about their business. And, you know, some people, you know, they charge up a credit card and, and they don't want to look at the, the statement and things of that nature. So tell me what the yeah. psychology, psychology was like 
dealing with maybe some of your early clients and what was that was that what were the hurdles you had to deal with? Because um, a lot of people sometimes get offended when they say, hey, I have a financial service plan for you. It might help you. And it's a lot of people because I tried it for a minute and I got out of it quickly. That just was not my bang. So for you, what was it like getting started? Uh, getting started was interesting, uh, uh, coming from no financial background whatsoever or really knowing any wealthy people growing up. I think people that, that come from those types of um, pedigrees and backgrounds, they, they might have an easier time starting, but that's okay because I wanted to work with families that were like mine that weren't super wealthy anyway. And, uh, what I found was because I was coming from a helping perspective, Mm-hmm. It wasn't difficult to get clients. People need okay. help. They right. don't know what they don't know. Right. The challenge is getting someone to admit it, that they actually yeah. could use some help. Because so for so many of us, our net worth is wrapped up in our self-worth, or our self-worth yes. is, is wrapped up in our net worth. Right. and it can be very difficult to get someone to separate the two and realize it's okay if your net worth isn't as high as you want it to be. That doesn't have anything to do with the value of you as a person, but I can help you with that. And I think that being a woman in that particular case came in um, a lot lot handier than necessarily being a man because it takes a lot of empathy to do Mm -hmm. that. And for an average family, it's usually the woman that is the most apprehensive in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a couple setting, and she tends to be the one who doesn't want to talk as much, what, is right. what I found. And so having me be really empathetic, really um, focused on helping her get open up and get where she wants to go, the husband usually followed suit unless it was a, a different kind of dynamic. And so I think it made it easier for me to work with families. Um, but I branched out into businesses and those okay. were male dominated in right. terms of clients, but it was also, but I'm in a male dominated industry too. Right. So that was, uh, that's always been a really interesting dynamic. Uh, yep. And that's what the theme of this month is. And I know we're going to come into that a little bit later. So we're going to, I'm going to sidestep that cause I want to talk about that in the last segment of the show. Sure. Um, let me ask, um, when you were able to help people with their finances, like you said, people need help. When you were able to do what you needed to do and deliver it on what you said, what were the responses? Were they shocked? Were they, you know, what, what were the responses when you were able to help them? They were surprised. They were grateful. Um, many of my, of my best clients, they were just, they just took all, the ones that took all of my advice, it okay. always worked out so much better than even my my minimum standard of expectation and they were surprised at what we could do right. with their budget they were grateful that I came in and helped them and I never approached them with this perspective of you need help let me help you because right. that's a really arrogant place to come from yes. i came from the perspective of you know if you have any questions if there's any way i can be of service to you whatsoever please reach out. Let me, I'd love to try to be of service to you. And that perspective, I think is what opened the door for me 
because mm. they knew I wasn't trying to, to come in and fix them or even assume that there was anything wrong with what they were right. doing. I just wanted to be of service in case they felt like maybe there was something that they could improve upon. And, um, and that's all I did. And in lots of it's- cases, they needed a complete full, you know, planning or replanning from what they had been doing. And in other cases, it was just adding on to what they were currently doing to make it a little bit better than it was before. Right. In in any rate, whatever whatever value I provided, they were always grateful that I came and I did that for them. Very well. Not what good to me. That's why I did it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you treated them as a person, not as a number, which I think is what I picked up on there. Um, yeah, let's, sure. let's, let's talk about your fitness. Now, again, I know I've seen your fitness okay. videos. You, I've applied your, the fitness videos when I started working out last year. Um, talk about your love for fitness and all of that stuff there and how you went into sort of, uh, being a certified personal trainer and tell me what that life is like. What's, what's, what's up with that? <laughs> You know, it's, it, it was a funny journey getting into fitness. Mm-hmm. Uh, the journey started with feeling like the fat, ugly kid in school and being teased about my body right. and always feeling totally self-conscious. And mm-hmm. there was a point at which I, when I, uh, when I was living with my dad, he said, okay, go to the gym. And he would tell me from the dinner table how to work out. He'd tell me how to do a lat pull down how to do bicep curls. He never went in the gym with me, but he had been in the gym. And so (laughs) he could tell me how to do those things. And so I just started doing them in the gym. And then once I got to college, I needed a part-time job while I was going to school because I needed to make some money and personal training paid better than working at a restaurant. Mm -hmm. And so did teaching aerobics. And I found myself teaching group exercise classes and then teaching specialty classes. Mm -hmm. So at a time when minimum wage, I think was, like four fifty an hour, oh, I was pulling yeah. in I was pulling in, you know, twelve, thirteen dollars an hour just to go mm-hmm. and and lead these classes and I was getting in shape at the same time. So I thought this is the best of both worlds. And I fell in love with not just what it did for me, because I knew how it transformed me mentally to right. be in the gym, to get fit, to to have that type of mastery over my mentality and my ability to tolerate physical pain and have that type of mastery over my physical body. And so to be able to deliver that to other people was super gratifying. It always has been, especially when I see people and I see them all over social media. I still hear it today. It's why I built the software that I built. People are confused and there's a lot of misinformation out there. But I was pre-med at UCI, so I came from a super scientific perspective, and I had more science behind me than the personal training certifications that I was going through. And so I brought something to the table for my clients that that nobody else was bringing to the table. In fact, most personal trainers, the training certifications don't get into the real biochemistry or the hormones behind diet and how they're affected. They just to workouts and training and what right. that does structurally for someone. But even then, it didn't, de- it didn't get into a deep dive on the physics 
behind how to perform the exercises correctly so that you didn't injure yourself. So I, um, I'm a lucky science nerd that just loved to study and start applying more and more research and more and more to, to my current client base and wanted to just be the best I could be so that my clients could be the best they could be. And it just turned out really well for all of us <laughs> involved. Absolutely. But my impetus was I hated my body, so I wanted right. to change it. I don't want to feel that way ever again. And that's that's very interesting because now and again I'm gonna let the audience know. When remember when I started working out, I was communicating back with you here from here from from Chicago, and I said, "Hey, I'm mm-hmm. gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna do this." And I remember you said, "Try this, do this, and diet and everything." And I remember what you just said a minute ago when I had they had their little, um, you know, little consultation. You go in and little assessment, and I I literally thought my life was going to end right there. I said, "Oh God, I feel awful." This I, I literally almost passed out on the floor, felt awful, and I remember <laughs> a, a guy getting off a treadmill, walking over making sure I was okay. The guy that was doing the assessment was a bit of a, a douchebag, to be honest with you, but that's another story. But the guy that was in the gym, he says, <laughs> So many I, he of said, them are. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, to be honest with you. I got to be honest. But the guy that got off the treadmill walked over to me, made sure I was okay. He had more concern to me than the guy that was doing the assessment. He said, you know how you're feeling right now? I said, yeah. He said, that's why you need to join the gym. You don't ever want to feel like that again. And I have been I have been steadfast on that. And I think it's I think that's that initial hurdle, especially after those first couple of workouts. If you can push through that, I mean, better days are ahead and it's just it's just better. And I just think a lot of people kind of talk themselves out of it. I can't take it after one. You know, but if you're still breathing after that first workout, you can go back and, you know, do a little more. So I'm sure you as a trainer and, you know, with all your degrees and dealing with people's psychology, that had to be an issue to deal with to get people it, over that initial hump. It, it was. It was because initially, because there's there's a hurdle to get somebody to start doing something that's good for them that doesn't feel good. Since right. As human beings, as animals, we tend toward what feels good. But um, but also, trying to get somebody results that are that are visible and tangible too quickly yes. is... Yep. It's, a, it's a big mistake, but the problem yes. is... The client wants to see results quickly, so right. you and they want they want to be pushed, but they don't. Right. But they shouldn't be pushed, and so right. you have to balance the psychology with the client's expectations and what they really need. And so it can it a, a good trainer can do it well, but very right. few can. Most trainers just overwork their clients in the first couple of sessions and it gets to be demoralizing for the clients long term so um it's it's definitely something that takes a little bit of hand holding up front i agree i agree all right ali we're going to come up to our final break but when we come back uh we are going to talk about your businesses we're going to talk about you the mother and and mother to be again as well and uh we are going to talk um and we're going to talk a little bit about the me too movement month of may and why i'm doing it i would love your thoughts on it as well so when we come back we will continue our our conversation with ali ferguson after this Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Trying to find a buyer for your home? Tired of paying fees and commissions? Need to get out of your home quickly with no fuss? Real market experts can help. 
Get a cash offer on your home today. Our nationwide network of investors will ensure you receive the best price for your home in Chicago and the Chicagoland area. Get started now. Call 1-800-SELL-NOW or 708-887-0795. You can also visit our website at realmarketexperts.com slash IL. Is your credit card processor for your business charging you high processing rates? Do you need an upgrade of your current credit card processing terminal and would like it for free? Let North American Bank Card lower those processing rates and qualify you for a free brand new credit card processing terminal. Call Shannon for a free statement analysis, 708-887-0795 or email Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com. If your life needs some structure and direction, you may need a life coach. Interested? Contact Shannon at sdhughesenterprises at gmail.com for a free 30-minute consultation. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to The Movement. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send an email, or if you are looking to be a sponsor for The Movement, contact the show via email to shannon at shannondehughes-themovement.com. That's shannon at shannondehughes-themovement.com. We'd love to hear from you. And next week on the Me Too Movement Month of May, week number four, I will have two more exceptional women joining me. Uh, Zandra Grant is a best-selling author, speaker, and consultant and is a divorce recovery coach. She is a survivor of divorce and helps people deal with the after effects of divorce. And the other fantastic woman we have is Sammy Tucker. She's also a survivor of divorce and she faced uphill challenges and one of them being that she lost part, part of her left arm in a, in a very terrible accident. But she has gone on to become a very uh, sought-after speaker, resilience and speaking coach, and soon-to-be author. My guests next week, Zandra Grant, and Sammy Tucker on the Me Too Movement Month of May. Please tune in. And again, we have questions, comments. Please call 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795 for questions either for me or for Ali. And international, 001-480-398-1405. Email the show, Shannon at Shannon D. Hughes. Dash the movement.com. So, Allie, um, yes. let's talk about balancing uh, business with family life. What was that like early on? <laughs> um, a constant whirlwind of trying to ride a tidal wave without a surfboard and not drown at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I mean, I. One of the things that I, I guess I'm, I've always been really good at is managing my time. So I just approached my life the same way I had approached balancing going to school and working at the same time and, um, and kind of prioritized accordingly. I put my health in there, so I always worked out. Uh, business was important. Family right. was important. And so one of the things that I've always done is when I'm doing one of those things, I'm in mm-hmm. it. I'm okay. focused on it. I'm in it. I'm not, and I'm pushing it to my limit. I'm doing, I'm a hundred percent in 
on my workout. I'm not 65%, 75% kind of going through the motions. I'm 100% in on whatever I'm doing at the time. So I don't need a lot of, a a big quantity of time in any one of those areas because I'm so invested and I'm 100% present in the time that I have in those areas. And so I think that's probably been the key to my quote-unquote balance, even though I don't think that there's any such thing in life. I think you're always teetering on, you know, spinning one plate, then spinning another, then spinning another, and then you come back and you spin the first one again. And uh, and that's what we consider balance to be, but there's no perfect balance in life, in my opinion. It's all all 100% all the time. Absolutely. I guess you can make time for what you need to make time for. So I think that's part, part of it. It's absolutely. Prioritize first. All right, Ali. So <laughs> let's let's uh, let's roll up the sleeves and dig into this. So okay. obviously this being theme month, uh, the Me Too movement, uh, this is just my small contribution uh, to it. Um, you all you you keep your ear to the ground. You know everything that's been going on with women and all the things that's been going on out there. It's it's like every other day there's a new story, there's a new allegation, there's a new whatever that's that seems to be going on. I mean, every day. Um so you had mentioned earlier in the show about being in a male dominant field. You being, you know, one of the few females in it, and, and and let me let me just go ahead and put it out there. When I posted, I always post the pictures of each ladies that come on the show, and everybody's, oh my God, she's gorgeous. Oh my God, yes, she is gorgeous. Absolutely right. So I'm I'm sure you had to have dealt with, or maybe not, guys saying, okay, she's trying to get in, let me help her. Um, but you know how this goes, where they they want something in return, or you've dealt, or you've been around other women that have had to deal with. Tell me your impressions, or your experiences, or your thoughts on women in male dominant fields and in dealing with this uncomfortable topic that people are afraid to talk about. It, but here on the movement, we're going to talk about it today. So the floor is yours. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a really big question. So let's just start with being in a male dominated industry and being the only female, you just, you tend to almost forget that you are. Right. (laughs) You tend to almost forget that you are female until somebody kind of points it out or makes some type of innuendo or something like that. And then you realize, oh, that's right. I I am a woman in this because, but at the same time, you also have to be better than the male counterparts, unfortunately. Right. So it just, it made me work harder. It made me study harder. It made me have to, it made me feel like I had to be a little bit smarter than the next guy. Right. Right. A little bit smarter than the next trainer, a little bit smarter than the next, um, the next financial advisor that could right. meet with my clients. Mm-hmm. But what I also did is I played to my strengths as a woman. So like I said, with my, with my clients, I employed a lot of empathy Right. When I was when I was working with them one on one, whether it was as a trainer or what, whether it was as their financial planner, I, I deployed so much empathy, which I felt was my uniqueness as a woman that okay. even if a man tried to come in and take my client away, right. even the male clients felt heard and understood in a way that the guy trying to come in and take my client away or the one that I was competing against for the client, he couldn't, he couldn't do. 
he was trying to, he was coming from a very masculine perspective, which right. is fine and that's great, but I use it to my advantage. Now, when you talk about the Me Too stuff, working at the club and things like that, is a, a health club, not a nightclub, just saying, right. just clarifying. Right. Right. Um, there's, you're working in an environment where all you do is talk about body parts all right. day long. So it becomes right. very natural to yes. talk of, about that. And, and sexuality has a lot to do with your health, and your health has a lot to do with your ability to, you know, have sex and all of that kind of stuff. So those were topics that were talked about with clients and even potentially probably made way more comfortable in the work environment than it would have been in an office environment. So I'm pretty sure there was way more um, what would be considered sexual harassment just in the form of innuendos and um, openly talking about things like that that were a little bit more on edge with, about clients and with clients and so on than in other industries. But I never had anybody actually quid pro quo me in right. that way. Right. Um, no one ever, you know, said, hey, I'll do this for you if you do this. That, right. that, was, never, that, was, that was never my reality. I don't know if it was other women's reality. I don't mm-hmm. think that most men are that overt, right? really. I mean, maybe in some other industries they are, but yes. I don't think that they're going to last very long in any world if they're that overt. But they're right. subtle. I ha- I've gotten business um, because they, uh, when I was single versus when I was married, right? a male business owner might be more willing to listen to me because mm-hmm. I'm single versus because I'm married. I didn't care. Right. I was like, that's right. fine. As long as we're getting business done, because I, it never came to that. It never became anything that materialized into anything like that. But I used it to my advantage. I used right. being a female to my advantage with my female clients, with my male clients, no matter what industry it was right. in. Because what else was I going to do? Try to be a man? Right. Uh, that doesn't make any sense, right? No, Use the not. assets that you have. And so... Um, if whatever it is that they want, right? <laughs> right, exactly, if, if, exactly. Um, yeah, it was fun. and I think that complaining about it and wishing yes. that it was different is a waste right. of time for women. So when you asked a, a big question, and let me just um, add this in here, okay. I think that I, I do hear a lot of, well, this guy said this or this person said that. It's like, so what? Why are you wasting time worrying about the fact that some idiot was, was, you know, being an idiot, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't make you less of a woman or less of a person because some guy found you attractive, right? Right. It's like walking through the club and the guy grabs your butt. Don't date him then. Don't give him the time of day, but it doesn't mean you have to get all fired up about it. Go on with your life. And so I just never gave it any energy. Right. Right. And it's it's interesting because the uh, the two ladies I had on last week, Julie Sands and Janet Rodriguez, was kind of talking the same thing. Janet's in Los Angeles, and she was talking about how she wanted to get started in the the media industry and how you know the L.A. casting couch, you know. You, you get on the couch with me, yeah. I'll introduce you, do, introduce you to these people. And she said, hey, if you know your worth and know who you are, you won't have to compromise anything. And Julie was saying exactly. how, you know, if you walk and carry yourself like that, you probably, 
won't get as much as that. But if someone comes at you, you'll know exactly how to deal with it. So in that way, they're saying the same thing you're saying, kind of don't give yeah. it any more energy than it needs to be given. You know, and, I, and to, on that same vein, that was the approach that I took to, um, to strengthening my body, right? right? Women can be, can fall, can in their heads fall victim to the idea that, oh, I better be careful because a man tr- might try to rape me or hurt me or assault me. And right. I always took the approach of, if I look tougher than, than the next girl, they're not going to bother me so much, right? Because Absolutely, right. Chain, making my physical body strong made my mental, made my mentality strong, and it made yes. me come across with a lot more confidence than a lot of my female counterparts. And so I just haven't noticed men messing with me like that. Good. I think they're more intimidated than not. Like they'd go after the, the weak ones than, yes. than the stronger ones. So yeah, when you know your value, when you know what you can accomplish, when you know how smart you are and you don't need to compromise your values for any of that stuff, then yes. you're just not going to. And I don't think those right. things are going to end up happening quite as much as when you're afraid of them. It's like you get what you attract. I agree. I agree. Um, I asked um, this question uh, for, I'm actually going to ask it to every woman this month, and I'm going to ask you as well. I asked it to my Mm -hmm. first three guests this month, and I'm going to ask you again, male-dominated field, was Mm -hmm. there ever, uh, both the fields that you're in, I should say, was there Mm -hmm. ever a point of loneliness because you're in a male-dominant field and dealing with all the stuff that you had to do? Were you ever feeling like, ah, maybe I shouldn't do this. There's too many males. I need to go focus on something else. Was there ever, did you ever have those periods where you kind of felt, you know, kind of in the dark and was kind of shunned away a little bit uh, or, or not? I don't know if you, if if you did, how did you deal with it? Sure. Because, you know, you're sitting in a meeting and you're one of the only women in the room and the men are all talking about how they were playing golf, you know, on Sunday with each other. And Hey, after the meeting's over, let's go smoke a stogie. And you're not invited. And you're like, right. okay, right. right? And so, um, yeah, of course, of course, right. I, I was more isolated because I I didn't want to go smoke cigars and I suck at golf really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just instead of going and doing those things and make and a lot of those men those same relationships they got you know some more special treatment they got handed clients they got handed things that I didn't get handed because I wasn't one of them. I was the woman. I was the outsider. So from a perspective of loneliness, I think that's only, you would only think that you're lonely if you're trying to fit in to that group of men. But I didn't try to fit into the group of men. I just, instead of going and playing golf, I worked. Right. I just worked harder on me. I worked at being smarter. I went, I, I worked at, taking a different approach to succeed rather than playing the game. And I call it the, the old white guy game. Right. right? And I don't, and I'm not trying to be racist when I say that, but it, it really, uh, it really was very much in my face, especially being in orange County, California, that these are the guys that are controlling (laughs) everything. (laughs) And so it's true. And they're handing everything to their own friends. So, okay, fine. I just took a different approach. How am I going to be able to get to the same finish line my own way? If I'm not going to play golf and I'm not going to smoke cigars, right? right? And I'm not going to play poker, 
How am I right. going to do it differently? So exactly. I would, I would find couples to mm-hmm. work with. I would find other women okay. to work with and support Great. and lift up and empower. And together we were able to do more than I was, than I would have been able to do being frustrated, mm-hmm. trying to break into that old boys club because they didn't want me there. They right. wanted to talk about me, not to me. Right. Right. I haven't, I got an email. Oh my God. My first email to the show. And it's actually towards you. And this is from Karen. She's actually in Indiana. And she okay. said, as she says, first of all, great interview. Hello, Shannon. And she wants me to ask you, uh, she says she went through a situation um, where she had accused somebody or not accused, but someone had physically, you know, put their hands on her and things of that nature. And she mm-hmm. is and I'm kind of coloring up because she's very graphic in it, but I understand where she's coming from. And she told mm-hmm. me to ask you, what is the big biggest misconception when a woman preferably like most women are ones that makes the accusations of saying I've been sexually assaulted or harassed because she said a lot of times think it's, it's about women wanting money. So she says she doesn't think that that's the case. She's, she's, so she's asking me to ask you, what is the bis- big misconception when women say I've been assaulted or I've been, you know, what have you? Is, the, is there a, um, is, cause like I know guys that think that because a woman says I've been assaulted or I've been sexually assaulted, that, it's all about the money, and I don't think that's necessarily the case. I don't know if you agree or disagree or what your thought is on that. Um, I don't think women come forth saying I've been assaulted because they're trying to get money out of the situation, unless right. that's what they're trying to get out of the situation. Right? If they're right. saying, give me money to shut up, well, then that's right. exactly what they're doing. But I don't think that's why women come forth with that, because it's generally more embarrassing Right. For them, right? Yes. Um, from a psychological right. perspective, it's the same as somebody who was, I mean, assault is assault. If you were molested, if you were raped, if you were groped, if you were whatever, right. it, there's a lot of shame associated with that. So it takes a lot of bravery to stand up and say, yeah, this yes. person did that to me too, because it makes you feel like you did something wrong. Right. In, in how that went down. And the biggest the biggest misconception I've noticed is they tie is the society and women do this too. And it really frustrates me is Mm -hmm. they tend to turn on the victim. They tend to turn on the woman who was assaulted and Mm try and start to try to find some way that she was responsible for it. Right. Shut up. Right. I hear that. (laughs) Why can't he keep his hands to him, to his damn self? Right. No, there's no, place for victimization of the victim. She had enough courage to come up and say, he did this to me. Now, the ones that are doing it for the money, I I think that, you know, you would have to rightfully, logically question whether or not they're just doing it to try to get money because they're climbing on a bandwagon. But I think if it actually happened and you're doing it to try to make it stop for other women, then the awareness is enough. Right. And that's, then that's enough there. But, um, but I think women try to seem impartial by taking that same man's point of view of, right. oh, well, it must have been her fault. Right. Well, hold on a second. Right. You yep. know what I mean? And so that can be even more frustrating, and that divides 
women against women because they want to seem like it's not a woman against a man thing. These women are trying to be impartial and try to come across as logical, but they're doing it at the expense of the demoralization of the other women in the room. So, um, so I think the biggest misconception is, is that, or is that she caused it or she somehow brought it on or, um, or that, he couldn't help himself, please. Oh, oh please. God. Of course yeah. he can. I don't care how hot she is. He can keep right. his damn hands to himself, right? And that goes for men, too. Sometimes right. women are being vultures and going after men right. and, and treating them like pieces of meat. And that right. just is not okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I thank Karen for that, that email. That was, that was <laughs> Oh, that, that's, a, that's a great answer. Um, um, so let's talk about your businesses here. Um, talk about, you okay. know, your name, your companies, and the things that you're doing for both, for both of your fields there. Oh, I'm so excited about them. Thank you for asking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, I've literally been, does, been figuring out how to bring my two passions, both for helping people with fitness and helping people with their finances together for at least the last, Five years. So in 2013, I I put I put together an event, and this is what my next book is going to be about too, about how your health impacts your wealth. And I had already started building my my fitness software because no, there was no, there's been no technology even to date that actually delivers real custom personal training, custom nutrition plans via a mass scale. Right. I basically have spent all this time taking what I know from my, you know, all the decision making that I would make surrounding a client's health and fitness. And okay. I've put it into a computer, into a software. And so that's taken me a long time to do because just finding a developer that could understand what I'm trying to accomplish. I started this in 2009 starting mm. to putting this together and the technology okay. wasn't even there. And now we have, we can do videos on social media, but all of that's evolved since then. So, right. But pulling these two things together as a personal trainer, I, I intuited the, the more um, intangible benefit of being healthy that it would have on your whole life. But as a financial right. planner, I could actually quantify it with numbers, the impact of being healthy versus unhealthy had on my client's total wealth creation and ability to even retire. So I got super passionate about it and started this event called How Your Health Impacts Your Wealth and trying to educate people from the ground up because clearly telling them that they could lead a better quality of life if they were healthy wasn't cutting it. People weren't getting healthy. They were, they'd rather have the donut right. and the pizuki than right. get up off the couch and actually go work out and earn that pizuki. And so it's a big cookie with ice cream. It's delicious. Anyway, right. <laughs> um, so what I did is I wanted to appeal to their greed because uh-huh. well, there's one thing that I have noticed no matter what waistline you have, the right. people want more money. Yes. And what they don't realize is that being unhealthy is quietly siphoning away their ability to, to create wealth for themselves. And they just didn't know it. And so I... I pulled all that together and what I'm doing this year is creating a very specific special benefit uh, employee benefit product 
that um, has just started to emerge on the scene over the last year or so and starting just starting to gain a little bit of traction. So right. I'm, I'm still very, very on the front cutting edge of this, but I do believe it's going to be just as big as 401ks and just as common to companies over the next 10 and 20 years. But I'm pulling both my software, my fitness software, uh, together with my financial services company to be able to offer this as a benefit package to employees where these employees can now get real uh, tangible financial products and services and get healthy and fit at the same time and be able to provide a better quality of life overall, financial and, and and healthy life. So it's, it gets me, it keeps me up at night. It gets me up in the morning. It gives me goosebumps just talking about it and thinking about it. And I'm, I'm so excited for, um, my lovey, my fiance that helps me do this. Cause he comes from a background in fitness and he saw it and went, Oh my gosh, you're onto something super huge here. And, um, and it, and just the excitement alone of people leading healthier, better lives without it being such a struggle to figure out what to do and who to listen to and, and how to pay for it and all of that because right. personal trainers are expensive, right? Yeah, Minimum of 50 bucks an hour. Right. You know, so if you train three times a week, that's $600 a month Right. just in getting somebody to help you get fit. Now that doesn't even include, you know, actually eating right. And to have somebody that understands the specific biochemistry behind your body and not just follow a diet like a keto diet or a paleo diet, right? Right. But actually something that could tailor it to your life so that you can go enjoy the wine and the beer and still get fit and have all these things all work together and save money is, um, it's just not out there right now. So that's what I'm working on, on finishing up creating. I've got some legal things to do right now to, uh, to finish that up, but all the big components are in place. All of the, all of the um, software has been built and all of that. And we're actually doing something that the VA is very excited about that we're going to be able to do for our veterans and for active duty military to help them. And, uh, and that's all really cutting edge stuff too that, you know, you'll see coming, but I can't, I'm not going to tell you everything about it, but it's really exciting all right. stuff. So. All right, Allie. Well, they can reach you at bodcompany.com, bridebod.com. Yep, bod, bod company. Bod, him.com and bodforher.com. And is there an email they can reach you at? They can reach me at alliefergie at me.com. So it's A-L-L-I-S, like Frank, E-R-G-I at me.com and I'm half, I will answer all the emails that come to oh. me. I promise that I will not ignore them. Um, I, I, I learned from the best that even if you have 300 emails to answer, answer them all. And I, I, I just want to be of service. I want to help. I want people to have better, healthier lives. I want them to get everything they want out of life. And, uh, but let's not make any excuses, uh, for why we're not getting it either. So, you know, all right. That's what I'm going to do for them. All right. Allie, thank you for joining me uh, on the movement. You are a wonderful guest and you're an even better friend. Thank you for joining me. Tune in next week with Sammy Tucker and Zondra Grant uh, as the Me Too month of May continues. See you all next week and take care. (laughs) 
Thank you for joining us for The Movement. Your host, Shannon D. Hughes, invites you to tune in again for another edition next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel.